Welcome to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, and today my guest is Dr. Porter, who is a clinical assistant professor of diagnostic imaging at UF. Dr. Porter, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to have you here because I feel like, and mark me if I'm wrong, diagnostic imaging is in a part of every single specialty of vet med. Yeah, pretty much. We kind of have our fingers in, in all of it. Awesome. So we'll hear about um, what diagnostic imaging actually means and the tools that you use. But first, will you tell us how you became a veterinarian? Okay. Yeah. So I went, so I grew up in Florida and I um, went to the University of Florida for undergrad. Um, and after that, I um, applied to veterinary school straight away mm-hmm. and I didn't get in the first time I oh, applied. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and what did you do in your time yeah. off? So um, I met with uh, the dean of admissions and, and at the time he suggested I get more clinical experience. Okay. So I went and worked, um, went back home, moved back in with my parents, which Ooh, is yay. not what everybody wants to do right after college, no. but I swallowed my pride mm-hmm. and I um, I worked as a veterinary technician for an equine practitioner there full time. Why equine and not small animal? So my interest has, oh, and still sort of is, is, is strongly um, equine. Okay. I just, I, I like horses, but I, I like the medical side of equine imaging a lot. Okay. So, um, so that's what I did. And so full time, I, I probably worked 70 or 80 hours a week Yikes. as a technician, um, and it was a great experience. Yeah. I learned a ton. Um, when I was not doing that on the weekends and when I had days off, I would volunteer in a small animal hospital and, and get that side so of the So variety experience. and consistency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it was a very extensive equine technician job and then the small animal experience where I could get it. Perfect. And then did you get in the second time you tried? Yeah, so luckily I got in the second time and I and I went to vet school at the University of Florida as well. Okay. So. And then after vet school, when like when in vet school did you realize diagnostic imaging was for you? I don't think it was in vet school. Wow, so, okay. Yeah, so in vet school I thought I would end up doing equine practice. That mm-hmm. was my plan from the get-go. Um, when I was a student, you could track, you could choose to track either small animal or, or large, and I tracked large animal. Mm-hmm. Um, directly after vet school, I took a job as an equine ambulatory practitioner, still thinking that would be kind of the end-all be-all for me. Yeah. Um, and I loved it for the first year, and around the second year, I started thinking, okay, this is great, but this isn't what I want to do for the rest of my life. Okay. Um, in part because the lifestyle's it's hard. It's mm. long hours and lots of emergency call, and um, and I just kind of wanted something different. Okay. So um, so at that time, I thought I really like the sports medicine side. I like the lameness exam part of it, and so I wanted to get better at that aspect. So I approached. There was a doctor um, at the time at the University of Florida who specialized in kind of sports medicine. He was a surgeon. Um, and I approached him and I said, I'm really interested in learning more about this. Do you have any room for an intern or something like that? And so they said, okay. And so we developed an internship oh, at UF. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was, um, that internship is still going. It's kind of changed over What's the years. What's it called? It's the Equine Lameness and Imaging Internship. Oh, yeah. neat. So yeah. you developed your own internship yeah. because of connecting with other people. Networking is important, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that worked out really well. Um, the internship has, I think, morphed a lot. But when I started it, they were like, okay, well, how, how do you want this to look? And so most of my time was spent with that lameness specialist doing a lot of lameness, taking care of the horses, 
Um, he managed all the horses that got an MRI. So that became mm. my job is helping to position them in the MRI. Yes. And I, through that, I got to know radiology, okay. kind of that side of things. Uh-huh. And then I started working in um, rotations into the internship. So I would do every few, I think it was like every eight weeks or something. I can't really remember. Yeah. But um, every few weeks, I would rotate and spend a week in radiology. And that's when I fell in love with diagnostic imaging. On the internship. Okay. Uh So does that mean after your internship, you had to do a residency? Yep. Yep. So I did that for a year and then I had to apply for residencies. Um, They have what's called a match system, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure you guys have talked about on this program. We know the match. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So I went through the match um, and I matched at the University of Florida. So for a residency in diagnostic imaging, is that what it's called? Yep. So people call it radiology or diagnostic imaging and either one is fine. Well, now will you give us a layman's definition of what diagnostic imaging is? Yeah, so um, veterinary diagnostic imaging is very similar to human diagnostic imaging. And so what we deal with is everything that involves um, the use of imaging for a diagnosis of disease. So we have lots of different modalities. The one that everybody knows about is is x-rays mm-hmm. or radiography, right? And so... Um, so we interpret all radiographic images that are made at the vet school. Mm-hmm. Um, it also involves other modalities such as ultrasound. Yep. So lots of times we'll use ultrasound to, to look closer into um, dogs and cats' abdomens and get a better look at their organs and try to figure out what's going on. Um, so we perform all of those exams using ultrasound machines, and then we interpret those images and write reports on them. Um, it involves CT, which is kind of, it's the use of x-rays, but it's um, a more three-dimensional look at, at anatomical structures using x-rays. Um, so we do, we, we don't, our technicians are amazing and they acquire all of those images, but our doctors um, interpret the images and write reports on those and we talk to the clinicians about it. Um, MRI, it's the use of, of, it's more complex physics to explain how it works, but it's generally the use of radio waves in a magnetic field to obtain images of the body. And so, again, our technicians acquire those images, and then our doctors interpret them. And what is nuclear scintigraphy? Is that something to Yeah, yeah. So that's the last one. I would talk about um, nuclear scintigraphy, um, and kind of PET scan is also, we don't have a PET scanner at the university, but that uses nuclear scintigraphy. So those two together are kind of another, the last modality. Um, so nuclear scintigraphy involves the injection of a radiopharmaceutical struck substance. So it's mm-hmm. something that's radioactive, like x-rays, but in, but um, when you inject it, then your body emits these radioactive particles, and we're able to capture those particles, and there are certain chemicals that bind them to areas of rapid bone turnover. And so when we look at the images of where those particles end up, we can say, okay, for example, a bone scan, there's a lot of bone turnover in this area. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Which one is your favorite? Oh, that's tough. Um, I like the variety. So I really like being able to do a little bit of all of it. Um, I like ultrasound a lot. I like being able to perform the procedures. I like special procedures. We use fluoroscopy a lot, which is another form of radiology. And, and we get to, um, you know, watch life as it happens like watch animals swallow barium oh, yeah that see is how their gi tract is working everybody should youtube what should they youtube just fluoroscopy yeah but or esophagram okay everyone um, youtube that yeah yeah it's pretty cool so i like doing those procedures i like um image guided sampling we do we use ct and ultrasound to um you know put needles in and obtain fine needle aspirates or biopsies of different things i like those procedures mm-hmm. so 
So you do still get to work with animals by positioning them under the equipment, <laughs> correct? Uh, so I don't position them under the equipment very often. Our technicians do most of that. So okay. my day in general, I often am in a dark room with, yeah. without animals. Isn't it called a bat? Do you guys call it the bat cave? The bat, Dr. Winter started that. Yeah, yeah. we call it the bat cave. Not as often anymore. It's, we've kind of upsized, and so now it's a much bigger room. A bat house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're in a dark room. The images come through. How often do you look to another veterinarian and say, do you see what I see? Or is it like a solo situation? All day long. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's a benefit of being where I am in academia versus if I were in teleradiology at home, it's harder, I think. But, um, but yeah, I have residents. I have We have seven residents right now who they actually interpret the image before I read it. So before I even get to it, somebody else has put in their opinion. Mm-hmm. And then I'll read it. We'll often talk about it in rounds where several doctors will talk about it together. So it's very interactive. Will you tell our listeners what teleradiology is? Yeah, so teleradiology is basically, um, with the digital age, we're able to, you know, we're no longer looking. Most of our images are not on that old school film that people think of. It's all acquired digitally. So you can send it um, via what we call DICOM images, which are protected images that you can send to a computer. And so with teleradiology, you can send radiographic images, ultrasonographic, CT, MRI, whatever modality, all of the images are digitized and can be sent Mm -hmm. anywhere in the world. And so teleradiology is just using that in order to read the images remotely so I could go anywhere I want as long as I have internet access, receive those images via, um, you know, digital methods and and look at them. So you could work from home if that's an interesting option for you guys for work-life balance. That's a a possibility. Oh, yeah. Yep. From home, I have friends that work that travel all over the world and work. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's very I like that. Um, Okay. So the image comes in. How often would you say percentage-wise do you or someone else see something that someone else disagrees with? Um, Oh, that's tough. Not, I'm where I am, most of the doctors are highly specialized in their field. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, if I'm looking at x-rays of a dog that was there for, say, cardiology, Mm -hmm. the cardiologist and I are not going to disagree too often on what the findings are related to to their specialty. But I may find something else, like a subtle pulmonary nodule or something that they didn't, that's not really their realm. They weren't really looking for it. So that's kind of, um, not. I wouldn't say disagreement, but where sort of we have added benefit. I, it sounds like, I feel like uh, diagnostic imaging feels a little like pathology where the specialist is working with someone who's interpreting the slide or the film. Um, so there's definitely a lot of collaboration going on. Yeah, definitely. So when was the last time you've worked on an animal? <laughs> so every every time I'm in ultrasound, I ultrasound animals all day long. Okay. So sometimes 15 a day. Wow. Yeah. So we, so, um, and then other times I'm assigned to the reading room. So I'm mostly interpreting images. But, you know, for example, this week I'm in the reading room. Yesterday I worked on a horse. Today um, I, I did biopsies and CT on a dog. So usually once a day, Okay. you know, at the very least. I think that's important because sometimes I think students consider radiology just sitting in a room looking at images all day, but there is so much variety going on. Right. Good. Okay. Uh, Now, how about, let's talk about horses in an MRI or a CT (laughs) scanner. 
how so I would encourage you guys to look this up too. How are we getting those animals, those huge animals? under those machines to get those images? Yeah, so it's a great question. Um, So both the CT and the MRI, they're very different modalities, but they both require a bore. So it has a big sort of donut shape opening in the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, And technology is constantly changing. And eventually what I'm saying right now will be way outdated and totally not, you know, probably five years from now, it'll be outdated information. But right now, um, we can only fit certain body parts into that bore. Mm -hmm. So right now, for both CT and MRI, we can image the head Mm -hmm. and then their limbs um, up to maybe the stifle, if we're lucky, on the MRI um, to their tarsus or their hawk for sure, and both modalities to their carpus. You know, which is but like knee. no abdomen. No abdomen. And even if we could get the abdomen in, we don't have the x-ray penetration, for example, in the CT machine to get a good look at it. So so what kind of imaging would we use to see in their abdomen? Or are we just palpating that? Yeah, we're really limited in horses in their abdomens. Um, so we can use radiographs. So generally, we're looking for big things like a stone. Like horses sometimes form these things called interliths, which are big stones in their guts. Um, so we can see that with a radiograph, but we can't you know, we can see if they ate a lot of sand. But yeah. That's about it. We're not going to see much more. I think that's interesting. Someone should get on that because horses have so many issues in their stomach that we could probably come up with some new imaging options to get us, you right. know, there faster. So that's something that students, future research project, look into that. Um, okay. So then what is the coolest animal that you've ever done an ultrasound on or some kind of procedure on? And then what was inside that animal that you found? So I don't know about coolest, but one one memory that sticks out is a um, a huge alligator we had come in, and it was enormous, and it was awake. I don't know. Oh, it was awake, and it had its mouth like taped shut. Yeah, and it had a person there that was you know ready to restrain it, however it needed, and it needed a bone biopsy, and so I had to like you know reach over the top of it, and I was pushing really hard. Wasn't pleasant, I'm sure. <laughs> and just as I was about to start, the handler said, hold on a second, let me just be prepared. And he literally climbed on top of the thing wow. and like was physically holding him down, which, you know, was clearly not going to be that helpful sure. if the alligator decided to move. So that was, that was pretty cool. That is very cool. Yeah. What do you think about <laughs> clinics that don't have diagnostic imaging tools? Because I hear a lot of new grads, maybe they go out into a rural rural area or mm-hmm. somewhere where they don't have the access to the equipment that we have when they're getting trained and they might miss things that they could have seen with better tools. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think um, those clinics are probably less and less common and like you said, more kind of rural areas. And, you know, I think we all have to learn to deal with what we have, right? So you have to know your limitations and you have to recognize when there are times that you have to refer those patients somewhere. When when certain imaging is really indicated, you might need to send them elsewhere. Most clinics at this point have some level of x-rays. Some of them still have the old analog radiographs, which can still be fine. Mm. Um, generally, you know, you kind of expect to see that. But if not, I think some of those clinicians get really good at using their hands yeah. for diagnostics. They can perform amazing physical exams when you don't have any other imaging to lean on. So I have heard that the best tools a veterinarian has is their hands. Yeah. So that's where that would come into play. Yeah. What is the work-life balance for a diagnostic imaging specialist? I assume, so like if an emergency comes in, mm-hmm. 
How do you guys handle that? Or do you have set hours? So we are very lucky. And I would say as far as work-life balance goes, we're one of the better specialties. Um, there, the, our emergency, the emergencies in the hospital are oftentimes handled by our emergency and critical care clinicians. And they'll call us when they have questions on radiographs. Um, up until this year, we've always, you know, we have, well, still now, we always have a radiologist and a resident on call and be available to look at those. Um, starting this year, we now have teleradiology companies that provide backup support. So oh, that, that's yeah, nice. Yeah, so it lightens our load. Um, you know, our, our in-house radiologists have less because we have support from teleradiologists around the world mm-hmm. who are, you know, maybe they're in Australia and it's their daytime and they're able to help. Sure. That's so true, yeah. Yeah. Um, Our working hours are really not bad. You know, it's kind of a normal working day because at the end of the day, you know, we're we're sort of done. We don't have to, like, work, have patients in-house, et cetera. Um, So so we're kind of (laughs) spoiled. Will you ever deal with clients? So at the university, not frequently. Um, There are certainly radiologists that do outpatient ultrasounds and that kind of thing. I do miss working with clients a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I personally don't work with clients very often. Okay. We have other doctors who, who sort of play the middleman for that. So if you love people, the people you'll be working with are other veterinarians. Yeah. Which so, is great. Right. Yeah. So my client is, is the internist who comes in to talk about their patient mm-hmm. or the surgeon who wants to know if we saw anything before they go to surgery. And, you know, those are kind of more our clients. Okay. What are some qualities that are very important for a veterinary radiologist to employ? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So being systematic, and that's probably one of the most important things. So we tend to be very detail-oriented, systematic people, and you you learn that. You know, it's not that you're born that way, but you learn that during your residency training. So we, when I look at a radiograph, I don't just kind of look at it like a picture. I look at it in certain systems. I separate it into the lungs and the mediastinum and then the pleural space. Hmm. And I try to look at it um, very systematically in that way. Um, so I think those that's probably one of the key things. Okay. So detail-oriented. Did you enjoy in vet school animal systems then, since it was all broken down so specifically? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, radiology and diagnostic imaging, it's anatomy. It's essentially anatomy in a different way. Yeah. I loved anatomy. And I think a lot of people who are radiologists feel that way. Okay. That's, yeah, that's a good way. Because I think a lot of students know they want to be veterinarians, but there are so many options in the field. Mm -hmm. It can be overwhelming. So it's really great to hear that if you have an affinity for anatomy, this might be a great option for you. Right. Yeah. Well, I want to thank Dr. Porter for being on our podcast today. I'm excited about another field of veterinary medicine that's open up for our students and um, just to keep their, yeah, keep their options open and know that what you think you want to do might not be what you end up doing. Yeah. Yep. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, and we'll have you back to talk about more diagnostic imaging uh, as, since we have to update this podcast eventually when those modalities become obsolete or we increase the research. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to finding out more about horse abdomen someday. (laughs) And I'm Alex Avellino. We'll talk to you soon.